up where we left off last week. If we can stay on track, we'll see what happens. I don't have a lot of faith. Whoops, glad that wasn't open. Amen. Did y'all have a good week? Yeah? I did too. It was a busy week. Yeah, it was a busy morning. that yes it was had a good time though I got to win one game yeah and the first time I sent the ball down the alley I did slip and fall and everybody did just that amen praise God well we had a good time <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, yeah, see how many people are left standing. <clears throat> Amen. Well, I'm going to get this ring out of here as soon as this loads up. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, I think uh, next time we'll try main event. I don't think we'll have as many as o of those kinds of people. We're just going to have to deal with teenagers at main event. Yeah, there was a, I don't know if it was like homosexual night out or what, but that's what was going on. Yeah. Oh, it made both of us sick, really bad sick. Yeah. So it wasn't just us. Because you were gonna, you were gonna barf anyway, right? Uh, yeah. We had a great time. Yes. Yeah. I hit the table. That's funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. Quit sleeping. You're not supposed to be sleeping. All right. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. We had a good time yesterday. We also had a uh, marriage retreat that they were doing in Olathe. We, were, we went ahead and they started it Friday night, and then they carried on to s Saturday, and they recorded it, so when I get the link, I'll send you guys the Friday night lessons that he, that he did. Um, I don't know if you ever read the book, Sacred Marriage. No. Anyway, uh, Gary Thomas wrote it, and I had read it. I had come across it in Audible, and I, I say I read it. I listened to it. That's the only time I read books, aside from the scripture. And uh, oh, he... Uh, he said, you know, God gave us marriage, and it, this goes into what we're going to talk about today. God gave us marriage to teach us or to make us holy. That's why God gave us marriage, because most likely you married somebody who wasn't just like you. Most likely you married somebody that pushed your buttons and required that you either fix your problems or constantly go head to head, you know, and, uh, you know, that's what our lives are like, right? God allows things to happen in our life to show us, hey, this is in your heart and you need to get rid of that because that's not holy and I want you to be holy like me and uh, so it was a very great concept that I liked, but there was a lot of, there's not a lot, there was a few things that I'm like, uh, I, I don't want to just hand this over and just say, hey, I believe this 100%. And uh, so when I saw what material they were using, when they posted it on Facebook, I said, I'm interested to see how he's going to do this. Because I know the things that I saw, he was going to see. And probably more things. 
And what he did was he gave us the books, he gave us the workbooks, but all of the material, he did quote the, the authors quite a bit, um, and he tried to stay along with their outline, but the points that we don't agree with is, you know, for me, the Trinity, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to teach the Trinity, and that's some of the things that he was trying to incorporate. This is all the different ways that um, a marriage should look in the unity portion of it, right? And, um, and yes, we should be unified because we are no longer two, but we are now one, but we are still two, two bodies, right? And we should come together in oneness of mind and spirit. And uh, that's exactly what happened with Jesus Christ, right? He came, he was not, he was not um, there from the beginning of time, but yet he was a man that allowed the flesh, allowed himself to be subject unto that almighty spirit, just like we should be trying to do with the Holy Ghost. And uh, I'm, anyway, all that being said, marriage should bring out the holiness in us. Or if we're willing to let God work that in us, um, marriage is one of those things that's going to do that to us. And uh, we got to be willing to say, you know, I was wrong. Or um, can we talk about this later? Or pray together. Stuff, stuff to that effect. And uh, it's... It's not all about happiness, right? When you become holy, you, you are filled with joy. I think happiness is a, um, in our minds, the way we think about happiness is very far-fetched. It's without turmoil. It's without um, any kind of bickering or, or anything like that. Um, but I can tell you what, the last 18 years of my life, have been tremendous. We've had our ups and downs, but I am thankful um, that God allowed me to get married at a young age because then I didn't have to work out all of my singleness um, as much as I did then. Um, and so it's being married, and we're going to be doing, so I talked to Brother Tufty last night before we left, and this year, I really want to do a, a family month to where every weekend we're doing something about the family. We're probably going to have an, an, uh, something on a Saturday that we get together and we have a good time and we do, do whatever. I don't know yet, but that's going to include raising up your children, so parenting. We're going to also have, all right, um, marriage is going to be in there but also we're going to talk with the kids so we're going to have a kid driven one how, how do we respond to our parents how how should we live our life as christian children and uh, determine how how that a family should function and really a month's not really long enough if we're just doing it on the weekend to get it all out but we're going to do our best to cram pack everything we can in that month yeah it's going to be a busy month or maybe we we start considering doing family weekends every month, right? So every month we have a family weekend and uh, we do something around the family. And uh, the reason I, f I feel so strongly that we need to build strong families is because the church is only as strong as its weakest family. And that's, that's how it works. And we, I, I want to help encourage us to grow closer to God. Amen. So, anyway, we haven't even prayed yet, and so we're going to do that right now, and then we'll get into the Word of God. Can we do that? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace and mercy this morning. God, I thank you for these wonderful folks. Thank you for this weekend that we've had. It's been busy, but God, it's been a blessing. We thank you for your grace and mercy. God, I'm asking that you would bind our hearts together as we delve into the Word of God today. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to glean from your Word. Lord, I pray today that your, your word would find fertile soil in our hearts, that, God, when we hear what you have to say, that you, Lord, change us, God, that we can leave this place a different individual than we have been before. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
Normally, if they weren't going to be here, they would have texted me like an hour ago, at least, at the latest. And so I know that she's been having problems with her legs, and he's been having problems with his hips. And so anyway, just want to make sure they're okay anyway. All right. Praise God. Well, before we get started, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about holiness, and then we talked about holiness yesterday in the marriage seminar. I'm going to move over here because, and I'm going to spill my drink again. I'm trying to. Um, so anyway, my question is to you, do you have any questions that has come up in your mind? And if you don't have one right now, I want you to keep that, that idea in your mind because I want you to think of these questions and you can either ask them out loud during one of our Bible classes, or send me a text message, or if you don't want me to know who it came from, that's fine too. You can put a put a note on the platform, on the pulpit, and we have a mailbox outside before you leave. You can slip one in there, and I'll grab it out of there. So anyway, there's all kinds of ways. I, I just, my goal is, if I'm not, if I'm teaching and nobody's, uh, if, if there's questions and I'm not answering the questions, I'm not doing my job, and I want to make sure that I am I am being effective in the lessons that we're, we're that we are teaching, and uh, you know holiness is, as you'll see in just a moment, is very crucial part of our walk with God. Um, in fact, without it, the Bible teaches us that we won't see the Lord, and we need holiness. And one of the things that I love every time I see the pictures of the Asbury University is above the big old pipe organ up in the front. I don't know if you guys have seen those words, but the it right across, it's inscribed across the top of the organ, holiness unto the Lord. And that's what was supposed to be inscribed on, on the breastplate of the priest's garment. I don't know if you knew that. On the top, they're supposed to have this golden ribbon that goes atop across uh, the linen ephod. Across the top of that was a piece of gold that was inscribed, holiness unto the Lord. And that's that's what God uh, had them wearing. Now, if you take that and you look into Hebrews, you're going to find where I believe it was the Apostle Paul. So you're going to always hear me <laughs> refer to the Apostle Paul writing Hebrews, um, but in Hebrews, you're going to see the writer said that we are a royal priesthood. And if the priesthood in the in the tabernacle, in fact, the scripture even continues on and tells us, hey, uh, in, in Hebrews, it tells us the things from the beginning were a type and a shadow of good things to come. Talking about not just Jesus Christ, but talking about the church. The church has always been God's plan from the beginning of time. That's what he said in, in John chapter 1, verse 1. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so if you go back in that and you realize, hey, God established the church through Jesus Christ suffering on the cross. It requires the Spirit. It requires the water and the blood. Right? And so, I don't know if you remember me teaching about this, but the similarities between Adam's bride and the bride of Christ. You guys remember me talking about that a little bit? Where did God take Eve from in Adam? Took him from his side, right? From his flesh, but specifically from his side. She was... She's under my wing. She's under my protection. Yep. 
That's exactly right. And and we'll dig into that stuff when we get into the marriage stuff also, but that's that's a beautiful connotation there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. exactly right and the other portion of that was what happened when Eve can I say it this way was birthed or created two things transpired number one Adam was put to sleep and number two God took from his side his rib and created Eve and when he came back he said this is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, and I am going to call her woman. Now, you go all the way into the New Testament, and you have Jesus hanging on the cross. Now, the scripture teaches us that the church, the church in this world is, consists of water, spirit, and blood. They agree together in one. That's what the scripture teaches us. Okay? And I wish I would have grabbed these. Me- these. Do you mind looking that scripture up for me? I think it, I don't know. Huh? First John 3.16 is uh, that's God commended his love to us. Yeah. I think it is in First John somewhere though. While she's looking for that, I want you to consider with me, at the crucifixion, the Bible says that Jesus fell asleep, or he gave up the ghost, whichever rendition of the gospel that you are reading, you, you see that, then you see where the scripture tells us that a soldier came with his spear and drove it into the side of the Lord. And what came out of the side of our Savior? Blood and water. What does that depict? The bride of Adam, what Eve consisted of was the flesh and the bone of Adam. But today the church consists of, did you find that scripture? What is it? 1 John 5 and 8. I want to read this to you so you know I'm not lying to you. Because I really feel like you guys worry about the things I tell you. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 8. Good morning, guys. How are you? I see that. Was you fighting fires last night? No. Yeah. I understand. I had a hard time raising up out of bed this morning as well. Uh, anyway, First John 5 and 8, the Bible tells me, I am nowhere near my notes right now. Um, surprise, surprise. What? Yep, that's what the Bible tells me. I was just looking here and I'm like, this is not where I'm supposed to be at right now. Um, and... I care a whole lot, if you can tell. Yeah. When I'm done, I will change back. We'll get to those notes eventually. Yeah. We're talking about holiness. We're talking about the bride of Christ. We're talking about how that the scripture plainly shows us that Jesus is the second Adam. We know that, right? You knew that. I don't have to go in and show you that, right? Um, if, you, if you don't know it, I, I, challenge, I not challenge you, I encourage you to go home and read 1 Corinthians 15, and it'll explain why Jesus is the second Adam. Don't have time to get into that. But I want you to see here, 1 John chapter 5, verse number 8, the Bible says, I'll just back up to verse 7. Um, oh, I'm going to keep going backward. Let's go to 5. Start with verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? 
but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came, pay attention, by water and by blood. Water and blood. Now, who is he talking about? He's talking about, verse 5, he's talking about the believer of Jesus Christ. Who is the believer of Jesus Christ? Me. You. The church. Right? Now, how do we become the child of Jesus Christ or the believer or the Christian or this person who plainly stated is the one that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? But verse 6 says, this is he, still talking about the believer, that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. That's how the church was born. That's how you are born into the church, is through the blood and the water of Jesus Christ. And, and we see this. It is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth, verse 6 says. But verse 7 says, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Now pay attention to what it says. Trinity says that these three are in one. But verse number 7 says, these three, what's the word there? They are one. What does that mean? There's no differentiation between the two. They are the, 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 between the three. They are the same. They are one. Period. Right there. The next verse says, and there are three that bear witness, bear record, um, sorry, and there are three that bear witness in the earth. Now, the first one, it bears witness in heaven. What is it? It's God. He bears witness in heaven that he loves us. And he sent his son for us. And he died for us. And we have the promise of eternal life. But verse number 8, there are three that bear witness in the earth. What is bearing witness unto Christ in the earth? Being a witness. But who are the people being the witness to others? The body of Christ. The church. Who are born of and he came as or came through water and blood. You with me so far? The first Adam says, hey, she's bone of my bone. She's flesh of my flesh. The bride of Christ says, we're water of his water. And we're blood of his blood. Can we say that today? And they bear witness in the earth. The spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. Now understand, it says the Spirit, which it explained to us who the Spirit was in verse 7. The one who bears witness in heaven, that's the Spirit. We need that Spirit. The man Jesus Christ had that Spirit dwelling in him, and he was in subjection to that Spirit the entire time. Am I, am I confusing anybody this morning? I hope I'm, I'm being very clear, and if, if I'm being too confusing, stop me and say, what do you mean by that, all right? I'm, I will do that, but I want you to understand that the church was born and is born today of the water and the spirit and the blood. You got to get the Holy Ghost. That's the spirit. The water washes you in baptism, and when you come out, it's the blood that has washed away, his blood being applied has taken all the blackness in your heart that was sin and has made it white as snow. You've heard that. There's songs that sing, they sing about that. That is what happens at your birth into the kingdom of heaven. And at Calvary is where it began. Jesus died. Jesus laid down his life for us. And they said, okay, we're going to make sure he's dead. And so they say, you know what? We're going to shove a spear in his side. You know, I don't think that soldier, Brother Blake, thought for a second, hey, I'm fulfilling scripture here. He was just doing what he wanted to. But God had a purpose. 
God had a purpose in every single action at Calvary. Water and blood came from the side of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus making the church his bride. I want to be pleasing to him. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I want to be, I want to be that vessel that is that is that he wants to call in and say, hey, why don't you just come spend some time with me? I I, I know yesterday there was a few times where I'm like, God, I want to be holy. I need to be holy like you. When he was teaching, I'm like, God, my, my heart's crying out. Lord, let me be that vessel that can be considered separated unto you. Holy, righteous, not, not, not of works of my own doing, but through the Holy Ghost, making me the vessel he needs me to be. Because I need him. Oh, I need him. Every hour I need him. Hallelujah. I don't know if you feel what I'm feeling right now, but man, I want to be close to him, guys. You, you, I don't think you can understand how strongly I feel on the inside of my heart. God, I don't, if you can hear the cry in my heart right now, God, I want to be holy. Not because I want to be a, anything special. I'm not anything special. There are so many more talented people out there. There are so many more wise people out there than this preacher right here. But I can tell you this. I don't care. If, I don't care how many there are out there. God has called me, and I want to be what he wants me to be. I want to be close to him every single day. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Can we love the Lord right now? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I want to be what you want me to be. God, I'm hungry, Lord, for a deep move of the Holy Ghost, not just in this church, but in my own life, God. Every day I walk with you, Lord, I want your spirit, God, to work in me and help me, Jesus. I love you, Savior, and I magnify your holy name today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Thank God that he has reached down and allowed us to be part of his bride. And I want to continue to dig deep into my relationship with God. I know, I, was it Wednesday night, Brother Tuffy? I think it was that I got Brother Darren. I was show, we were talking about Enoch, and he talked about Elijah. You know, those are the only two other people aside from Jesus Christ. Well, I take that back. Take that back. If you think about Moses, because you got those three men who met him on the Mount of Transfiguration. The, the only few things that they all have in common, think about it, they all fasted 40 days and 40 nights, they all met on the mountain, and not one of them, is it recorded, was buried. All of them were taken. Moses went into the mountain, and he was gone. Nobody, you don't read anything else about Moses. You read about Elijah. Elijah went across the Jordan with Elisha, and Elisha witnessed his, he watched him go into heaven. And Elisha, man, that's a powerful story. Elisha grabbed the cloak of the man of God. And he told Elisha, Elisha told Elijah, he said, you understand what you have? I want a double portion. Now, Elijah walked with God, but Elisha said, hey, if I'm supposed to follow you in your footsteps, I don't want to just be satisfied with what you've accomplished, Elijah. I want God to take me deeper than what you experienced. And Elijah said to him, he said, oh, right, that's fine, but you better be there when God takes me out of this world. And Elisha made up his mind. I'm not getting, letting him out of my sight until I see him go into the sky. 
they went across. Elijah took his cloak, and he smote the water of Jordan. And they crossed on dry land. When they crossed, now think about this. Elisha wasn't the only one there. There were other sons of the prophets there that day. They were on the other side of Jordan. They didn't follow Elisha and Elijah across. They stood, they were satisfied with a distant witness. <laughs> they didn't want to be, they, they, I don't know if they were just too scared. I don't know what was going on, but I, let me tell you something. If Elisha was going to get some of that, and I knew that there could be a promise that I could grab a hold of somehow, I'm that kind of guy. I'm saying, hey, they're getting some good stuff. I'm going to go rub shoulders with them guys, and I'm going to go along with them. And if they say I can't go, guess what? Elisha was told by Elijah how many times? Just stay here today. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And Elisha said, no, I'm going with you. He said, no, you don't need to. Don't worry about it. I'll be all right. I can take care of myself. No, Elijah, I am going with you. I've got to see, I've got to be with you every minute of the day. That was before the promise came, guys. And it was finally Elijah said, what do you want from me? He said, I want what you've got, but I don't want to be satisfied with just a little bit. I don't want to, and you've ever heard people say, well, if I could be just half the man that he is, I'd be happy. And I've been guilty of saying that of my father-in-law. But let me tell you this. I've, I've come to grips, Brother Tuffy. He's not going to be around forever. And I've told God, not from selfish reasons, but God, your kingdom's got to continue to move forward. I thank you for what you've done for him in Africa and, and all the other places he's been and affected different people's uh, revelation of what the scripture says. I'm thankful for that, but I've told God, God, if 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 there's anything that I want in this life is I want to be able to accomplish what he's accomplished. But God, I don't want to be satisfied with just accomplishing the things he's accomplished and just be a replica. But God, take me deeper because we need a church that is, is consistently digging and, 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 and growing closer to God than even the elders used to. Look, I'm sick and tired of looking back in the past. God's not coming back for a church who was less than it was when it began. He's not going to. If we're less than that church, we're not going, folks. It's not going to work. I've got to make it to heaven. And I want to take as many as I can with me. Oh, help me, Jesus. Asbury's got me stirred up, folks. Is it real? Is what happened in there, is it legit? I don't know, folks. But I can tell you this much. I did too. And I appreciate what he had to say. Yeah. It's definite. It's definite clarion call from God. I'm looking for a people who are wanting a relationship with me. I, I've, I've said it. I've said it, and I've said it. I've posted on Facebook. I've done all kinds of stuff. I'm appreciative of what they're doing, but please, please, God, don't just let it be an experience that that is is uh, sensationalized. But God, let it become something that be is birthed in these people that they don't just look worship and prayer and repentance is great but if that's as far as you go you don't you're not going to make it all the way somehow some way i know asbury's not going to let a pentecostal preacher come in and start preaching truth in there because they're a methodist organization but here's the other part of things 
Thank God for what's happening. But please, God, don't let it stop where it's at. Don't let it be just sensationalism. But God, let it go beyond. I just feel a tingle right now and a drawing from the Holy Ghost. But let it be something that's birthed in them that says, hey, I'm changing my lifestyle. God, this is not just going to be a once in a lifetime thing that I deal with. But God, I'm taking this not just here at the Asbury, whatever that auditorium is, and the, these other universities are, that are following, following in suit. Great, wonderful, I'm thankful for it. And, and, and I, I saw it, the Lee University video. I'm telling you what, if you haven't seen that one, you need to go check that one out. They are Assembly of God. And, and they, they don't, there's a lot there, but I'm telling you what, there were kids in that, in that auditorium that were crying out to God, and, and they were speaking in tongues, and I'm telling you, when I was watching that video, you could feel the power of God as they were praying and reaching out to God. Thank God for that, but there's more to this than just crying out to God once in a lifetime. This has got to become a lifestyle, folks. This has got to become something that's, that, that, that you take home. You can't just stay in one spot. That's what happened to the disciples in Jerusalem. God said, go to Jerusalem. He, but his intention was never for them to stay in Jerusalem because he said, hey, you're going to go into Jerusalem and Judea. Now, Judea was the, the region where Jerusalem resided, okay? So it's still Jewish. But Jesus didn't stop at Jerusalem and Judea. He said, hey, you need to go not just there, but you need to go to Samaria, folks. And then you need to go into everywhere else in the world. It can't just stay at Asbury. Yes, thank God. I, I, you know, I thought, man, it'd be all right if I drove or tried to drive over there real quick and just, just experience and come home. But that was a fleeting thought because as soon as I thought it, Brother Tuffy, I felt prompt, pricked in my spirit. And God said, why do you have to go there to experience it there? You can experience it right in your own church house. It's all about hunger, folks. It's all about desire. It's all about responding to the call of God. Man, I, <laughs> whoo, my God, hallelujah. Mm, he caught up outside. Whoo, Jesus. <clears throat> hallelujah. Didn't mean to work you up that much, brother. <laughs> oh, my God, hallelujah. There's, there's got to be, there's got to be. Something that happens in the heart of us today that says, hey, I'm not just satisfied with going, we get Sunday school for, for an hour and then we got 30 minutes worth of prayer and then we have an hour service or whatever that ends up being. What has happened at Asbury is the fact that they said, you know what, I know we have classes right now, but I'm not leaving <laughs> Because God called me right here, right now. I'm responding to what God's doing right here, right now. What would happen if churches around the globe would do exactly what they did? And say, yeah, I know. Let me tell you something. There was a time, and I, I feel what I'm talking about. If you can't tell, I'm excited. I'm, I'm stirred up. But you've got to understand, there was a time. That what they were experiencing there in Asbury, they are experiencing there in Asbury. We, we were experiencing in Olathe for a, for a long period of time. You know why it was? It was because from 5 in the morning, the church doors in Olathe would open because people need to be at work by 6, 7 o'clock. Some folks would actually show up about 4.30 in the morning so they could spend time in prayer. Do you have to go to the church and pray? I'm not saying you have to. But what I am saying, those folks are making an asserted effort to get to a place to show God, I mean business here. I am not here playing games. I mean I want a deep relationship with you. And my friends, I'm telling you, yes, I love to pray at home, but this week, my goal is I'm going to get to this building and I'm going to spend time in prayer. Look, it doesn't make sense for some of us, right? You're like, well, I'm, I'm an hour away. Great. But let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. How many people are driving and flying into Kentucky right now? 
to experience what they are experiencing. How many of them? Several thousand from what I could see on, on the pictures. I don't know if you saw, last night I saw a picture of people lined up out the church, down the different areas. The students on the campus are cooking dinners and bringing it out to the people that are standing in line, waiting to get into the building that, that all of this begin to happen. Is there power in that building? Absolutely not. But their faith says, if I can get in there, I can get close enough to God that I can have a life-changing experience. That's what their desire is. And if they're willing to say, hey, I'm going to sacrifice all of this, how many of them may, may, when they get home, have lost their job because they said, I don't care. I've got to get a hold of God. If I can just get to him, what would happen if we had that same drive in our hearts and our minds? The article I shared yesterday that's Friday night, actually, before we went to go bowling with everybody, and we had a great time, was the man wrote, he said, you know, how many times do we jump on the bandwagon of just anything? Because it sounds good and it looks good. That's not what I'm saying Asbury is. Time will tell what Asbury becomes. But I can tell you this much. One thing you, we as the church need to learn from this is if we want a move of God like we keep talking about we want, we're going to have to go beyond what's comfortable. And we're going to have to dig in and say, all right, God, I can't afford to do certain things. God, I know it's inconvenient. But God, I'm going to put forth an asserted effort. And I'm not going to let up until I see your glory. And this is what happened. I don't know how many times I was late for work back then. I'm not, I'm not, do things smartly, folks. All right, don't, don't do something rash and, and something stupid, all right? But can I also tell you, when you seek after God, he will take care of all the other stuff. I should have been fired for how many times I was late from those prayer meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know I don't even know why I still have this stuff turned on right here. You guys ever heard of the brush harbors? So a brush harbor was that. It was an, a harbor or a lean-to or a small shelter, can I put it that way, many of which didn't have wood roofs, most of them were thatched roofs, or they had, they went in the woods and they, you know, where they would pull out the branches and they would start weaving the branches together to make a shelter. And then they would go in and go to the sawmills and they would bring in sawdust and they would put it all over the floor, that would be their floor so it wouldn't be muddy in there rain and so they, they didn't build this specifically for a church it was more like hey this is we're in the woods we're cutting trees down this is our livelihood but they transitioned that from being a working station to a building that they could come and they put wooden benches in there are you talking about wooden benches if you if you've never sat on a wooden bench which is just a, a two by six or a two by four whatever they can find they put it together and they drive nails in it Guess what? When people are sitting on that thing and the weight's shifting and stuff, those nails start moving because they're, you know, screws, they'll hold, but those nails start moving back and forth. 
I remember we, we had an open air uh, tabernacle down in uh, a place called Miltonville, Kansas, just uh, about 30 minutes, I think, to the northwest of Junction City. And we would go there every summer for our youth camps. And I remember how I don't I don't know how many soup pants I destroyed because when you would sit down, those nails would catch into your fabric and just rip holes into your pants. The wood was splintery. It wasn't it wasn't treated wood. It it was it was bad. And they had those same types of, of, of benches in these brush harbors. Okay. You know how many services a week that they would hold in revival? Any guesses? A a revival that we we've held a revival before and we've called it, you know, we said we're going to have it on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Or we'll, we're going to have it Friday, Saturday, Sunday or whatever we end up doing. And most of them when I bring a guy in, we only do our normal service times. <coughs> And these brush harbors, now you got to understand, these folks, they didn't have air-conditioned vehicles. They woke up with the sun. They would rush home from the fields that they were working in, put on their Sunday best. They would get in the wagon, and, the, and most of the stories go that they were singing praise to the Lord and praying on their way to church, to the brush harbor. And when they arrived at the brush harbor, they were already worshiping God in their little buggies. They just took it right on in the church service, and they had church. And they didn't get done with church. They would get there sometimes 7, 7.30, 6, between 6 and 7.30 was what most of them started from what I've heard the elders talk about. They didn't finish. They didn't leave the Brush Harbor until sometimes 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. People slain in the Holy Ghost, having to carry them out to the buggy while they're talking in tongues, laying them in the buggy and driving them home. There's stories of people saying, hey, I, I, yeah, I, I would take my, my, my mom or my, my sister, we would carry them into the house and we'd place them in their bed and they're still talking in tongues when we went to bed. Talk about a relationship. Talk about a power a life-changing, a world-changing, a community-changing power. And they still got up, Brother Tuffy, every morning, 5.30, 6 in the morning, went back to work, and seven days a week for months, six months, seven months, eight months at a time, they would have seven-day-a-week revival and do the same thing over over and over and over again because something was driving them to say hey I want more of God I want more of God you know what the crime rates weren't near as high back then drug use wasn't near as rampant back then yeah I'm, I'm sure it was around yeah, I understand there's not there's way more people on earth today than there was in those days. I get all that stuff, brother. But it doesn't change the simple fact that they were absolutely driven by a hunger for God. And no matter if it was inconvenient or not, they still went to church. They still sought after God, not just, oh, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And go home, clap their hands a little bit. Man, we had a great sermon from the pastor today. No. Their conversations were more along the lines of, God moved in that service today. God did something in our midst today. I'm not just trying to hype us up today. This was supposed to have waited until service time. But it's eating me up, folks. And if we're going to see revival like we want to see revival, and we're going to see what God has 
through and under the surface for this community, if you can't feel it, let me tell you something. Get on your knees a little bit longer every day, and I can promise you, you're going to feel a bubbling under the surface that is about to erupt in this community because there are hungry people. This world is upside down right here and right now. And we've got to be sensitive enough to say, hey, I know it's inconvenient. I know it's going to be an extra sacrifice, but I'm going to give to God. We've got seven, seven, eight minutes. I'll tell you the story and I'll be done. I came across the video the other day of a story of a young lady. She had a child. It's verifiable. It's a true story, folks. She came to a revival back in the day, and I can't remember the guy's name, A.A. something or other. He was well-known on TV back then. He didn't have all of the truth, but he did have a lot of faith in God. I can tell you this. People would come, and God would change their lives. God would heal, heal them. And a woman, <coughs> they were in Alabama holding a tent revival, and God was healing people left and right. That place was completely packed full. You can see it in the video. And this woman had brought her child. When her child was born, he had 26 major diseases in his body. Major problems. He couldn't talk. His tongue was rolled up and, and it was all disformed. He was dumb. He was, he was deaf. He was blind. He had he didn't have feet. He had, they said, clubs for feet. Just your, your leg goes straight down. There's no foot at the bottom. It's just a straight leg. That's all he had. Didn't have shoes on. And all that week, that woman had come. She had made an extra effort. She didn't have a lot of money, but she came. And she, she, was, she came because somebody encouraged her to. And she went to that guy that had encouraged her to come and she said, man, I've been here all week. And the way that this guy would do it is he would just follow the Holy Ghost. And if he felt like it was time God wanted to heal somebody, he would say, all right. Everybody in the auditorium would have a card. And however it worked, all I can say is there were legit things happening in, this, in these revivals. Don't know how. It was somehow organized to where he would hand out cards. And people said if they needed a healing, they would get a a, a number, a numbered card, and God would reveal to him what number card he needed to call, and he would bring them up, ask them what was going on, pray for them, and God would heal them. I think it was A.A. Tozer. Uh, that doesn't sound right. Anyhow, as he's doing this, that day at lunch, this woman went to the man that had told her about how God could heal her son. I think he was two or three years old at the time. Just the age, wh whatever the age is that children start literally walking, you know, moving. And this child couldn't do that, obviously. <coughs> she went to this man. She said, hey, I've paid for a hotel all this week. I've had to pay for gas to get here. And I have only enough gas to get home. I don't have enough money to pay for tonight's hotel room. Nor do I have enough money to pay for food this evening. I have just enough to make it back home. All she had was a single $20 bill. He said, please, one more time, just tell me. She said, okay. He said, I don't know what I can do for you. He said, but I just feel like if you can come tonight, even if he doesn't call you forward, he said, I will take you to his, his residence or to the place he is staying, and I will bang on his door, and I won't let him go to bed tonight until he prays for your child. <coughs> now, granted, we all understand there was no power in this man, but there was power in the God that he believed in. 
that night, right before he started teaching and preaching and doing whatever he was doing, they said he stopped. He said, I don't know why I feel like doing this. He said, we've already received an offering tonight. He said, but some, some people here tonight need to give to God. Brother Tuffy, to that woman, the guy that had talked to her that day knew she only had a $20 bill. He was on the platform that night. He said, I looked and I saw her not walk and mosey and just kind of, I don't know if I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do this. She, he said she got up from her seat and she ran all the way to the front of that building or that tent. And she got to that tin where they were putting the money in, and she dropped something in there. He said, as soon as I saw her running, he said, I jumped off the back of the platform, and I came around because he said, I wanted to know what she put in there. He said, because I'm curious. You know what she put in that offering plate? Her last $20. Right after he noticed what it was, he said, dear God, where's my faith like that? He said, as soon as I realized it, he said, he stopped. And he said a whole bunch of stuff. He began to explain. He, he said, I see this great white building. And then I see it's a hospital. 26 diseases, I see, on this chart. He said, I see a vehicle. He said, it's on the road just in front of this tent. He said, ma'am, you're here tonight. You bring your baby. I'm telling you guys, because of the hunger and the faith of these people, she brought that baby down. He prayed for that baby. And it's not just the one account. I looked this up. I started looking all over. Now, the one that said <clears throat> that I was listening to originally, he, he's the one that gave all the details. of. He was the one that jumped off the platform. He's the one that was there. He said, but I was there. I was standing right behind that baby. He said, I looked. There was no shoes on that ba baby. He said, I looked. He said, and all of a sudden, he said, you know those little Play-Doh balls that you get sometimes? He said, I watched. As that club at the bottom of his leg began to just take a foot form. He said, I, I'm telling you, he said, I watched it with my own two eyes. He said, I looked at the face of that baby and the tongue. He said, I heard something snap and the tongue took place and it formed where it was supposed to form. And the preacher took the baby and he stood him on the floor. This is a miracle, folks. Not only did God create his feet, did God fix his mouth, did God give him sight, did God heal his hearing, but that baby, he sat him on the floor, Sister Winnie, and that baby walked to his mama, saying, Mama, Mama. It's not about the miracles, folks. It's not about the signs. But it's about the hunger that these people had. If it could happen back then, Brother Blake, it can happen today. I'm not here to sensationalize what, that, what happened there. I'm just here to testify God can do these things. And if we want to see it happen, we're going to have to become hungry for it. And be willing to pay whatever the price is that God wants. Or is needed to see these things come to pass. Praise God. Can we lift our hands and talk to God real quick? I know we're over time, but Lord, I thank you for your goodness, Jesus. God, I thank you for the touch of heaven we felt in this place today. God, I'm asking that you would help us today. Lord, let something rise up on the inside of us that says, God, we need more of you than we've ever had before. Jesus, I'm hungry for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Right here in this church on the corner of Jingle 399th, God, I want to see your glory like I've never seen it before. God, I want to see lives changed. I want to see healings transformed.
tra transform people's lives. I want to see deliverance, God. I want to have a deep relationship with you. I love you, Savior. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's freshen ourselves up and then let's have church. Amen. Love you all very much.